0: Today, and in a few moments, we get the privilege and honor of hearing Vanessa Torres share her story. She is a student at the university, and she is one of our community. For those of you who are visiting, it is tradition at La Sierra during the summer months to share our sermon time with a storyteller from our church and community. The first part was, will be sacred text, in which I will share something from the sacred text. And the second part is a story, a sacred story from Vanessa. So thank you, Vanessa, for being here. We really appreciate it. If I were to ask you all the question, what is holy? What is holiness? I think each of us could come up with a different idea or thought or image. Some of us would go directly to the divine. Well, God is holy. God's spirit and the way that he moves in our community and in our, in our lives, well, that's holy. That's why we call it God's holy spirit. For others of us, it is more of a place, or a feeling, or a setting. If we were to walk into an old cathedral, and it is still, and it is echoey, and it is cavernous, that could be holy. Or when you're standing where the sand meets the ocean, and you are suddenly struck with this overwhelming feeling of how small you are in relation to the rest of the universe, that could be holy. But others of us, when we think of the word holy, we hear it more like a weapon. It's an overwhelming burden, a reminder that we are not everything that we should be in our Christian walk. It is a negative meaning. It's a negative connotation for us. It's a list of all of the things that we have to do and practice in order to be considered good enough for God And it is a reminder that we will never measure up. When I think of this concept of holiness, my mind often goes to Martin Luther. Martin Luther, before he fulfilled his role as reformer in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, a monk of no significance, overwhelmed with this idea, this concept that holiness is something that you have to achieve individually. Martin Luther did seemingly crazy things to rid himself of the inner darkness, to rid himself of any sin or, or, or anything that could taint his being holy. He would start with things like fasting, fasting to the point of starvation. He would do things like self flagellation or self-beating or self-whipping. He would sleep, go sleep-deprived for days. It seemed as if there was nothing that would stop him from trying to achieve individual holiness. In fact, Martin Luther even said himself, if anybody could have achieved heaven by being a monk, it was him. After some time, he started thinking to himself, there has to be more than this. There has to be more to the church, to the gospel, than this. And he started to swear to go through his Bible, the Psalms and the Gospels. And one of the texts that he fell on is found in Romans 1 17, which reads, For the gospel, in the Gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And in that moment, Martin Luther finds a deeper understanding of holiness. It's not the holiness of an individual that saves, but rather it is the holiness and the righteousness of God that embraces all of God's people that truly matters. And he found peace and he found comfort. In much the same way today, we often find comfort in this letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. In fact, some of our most oftenly quoted oftenly, I don't know if that's a word, most often quoted verses in the Bible come from Romans, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to God's purpose. Or Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor the height, nor the depth, or anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I heard an amen. I don't know about you, but when I hear these verses or I read these verses, it's as if peace settles. I feel comfort. And then i like, okay, that's good enough for the book of Romans, I will move on. And so often we stop here in the letter to the Romans. We stop here at chapter eight without realizing that there are eight more chapters. And when we do that, we miss something really crucial that Paul does with the word holy. You see, in the first half, the first half of Romans, all of holiness is about God's holiness and the way that it embraces us and treasures us and gives us sanctuary. But in the second half of Romans, the word holy takes an interesting shift. He starts referring to the holy ones, the holy people. If you were to open up your Bibles, you might not see that phrase, but you would see the word saints, because holy ones are holy people translated to saints. And he starts starts talking about the saints, never in the singular, which I find really interesting. Never once does he mention a holy man, or a holy woman, or a holy child. Never once a holy individual. It is always a holy people, a holy community. And for Paul, the Christian community in Rome is of of critical importance to him. You see, they have gone through a lot of transitions. In the last few decades, the Jews and the Jewish Christians have been banned from the Roman city. And in their place, the non-Jewish Christians or the Gentile Christians have kind of risen up and, and taken charge and established a strong Christian community. Now, as Paul is writing in this letter to the Romans, the Jewish Christians have returned to find a strong Christian community and a community that is non-Jewish and a community that looks at their Jewish customs intermixed with their Christian beliefs with suspicion and skepticism. And why do you do that? And tensions begin to arise between the two groups, between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians and they start to ask questions, well, how do you worship? What is the right way to worship? Well, who is supposed to lead? Who are the true Christians? And Paul says, wait a second. He hears about this and he writes to them in Romans 10:12. He writes that there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God's love does not discriminate, says Paul. God's love embraces all and then he goes on to talk about how this community of saints, this holy community should act towards one another. He starts off by saying a holy community is generous. They recognize that they are only as strong as their weakest member, and so they share resources and they uplift each other. A holy community is hospitable. They recognize that the stranger is also a child of God, and so they care for the strangers in their midst. A holy community is inclusive. They understand the far-reaching impact of the gospel and are inspired by the Holy Spirit's erasure of boundaries and barriers. And in this diversity, they recognize that there are different expressions and different ways of living out the gospel and understanding the gospel. And in that, there will, of course, be tension and there will be conflict. But there will also be communication and dialogue and conversation. And in the midst of that all, there is a recognition that anyone can find a home in that community. You see, the book of Romans, holy is not about an individual achievement. It's not about an untainted character. It's not about a holier-than-thou presence going about in the world. It's about a community. It's about a community that is committed and partnered with God. It is about a community in which the Holy Spirit pours out love and empowers works of love. It is a community that is generous, that is hospitable, that is inclusive and welcoming to all. It is a community that is with and for each other in the good, in the bad, in the beautiful and in the ugly. In short, holiness is a community activity. We're going to hear a story from Vanessa right now. She is grown up in this community, academy student and university student, and she is going to share her experience and her life stories and what it means to be a part of this La Sierra community. I invite you to hear and listen.
1: Hi everybody. Um, For those of you who don't know, I am what is called a La Sierra baby. My parents met while going to La Sierra University, got married in Matheson Chapel, My mother hauled me around her overly spacious belly through the campus and had my grandfather, who worked in custodial department, adjust a desk in each one of her classrooms to fit her enormous load. She gave birth to me right after finals during winter break and went back to classes in January. (laughs) My grandmother even made me a mini cap and gown when my mother graduated from Lossier University. My recently graduated mother took me to work with her at Lossier Academy where she worked as a young AP Spanish teacher. She even went on to follow me back to the academy once I began attending the high school and continues to teach there now. Lossier literally runs in my veins. My father studied to be a pastor at the university and when I was young, he would preach and congregate with several different churches of a variety of different cultures. We went to Brazilian churches, Spanish churches, English churches, and along went little me and my younger brother, Sebastian, always meeting new children and experiencing church in many different ways. I was a bit of a not so social child and always had a harder time making friends, especially while moving around so much and never truly settling on one church home. Around the age of 10 or 12, we landed at Lossier University. It took a while for me to feel truly like I could make friends here, but as I sat alone feeling awkward in the preteens room waiting for the puppet show to start, two girls came up to me and invited me to sit with them. These two kind girls, Joylene Mabika and Caitlin Cabrera were my window into feeling accepted and welcomed into the Lossier family. They went on to introduce me to most of the best friends I have today and made it extremely easy for me to accept this church as my home. I feel as though I entered into last year history around a crucial and almost revolutionary stage. This was the era of seventh gay Adventist, church at noon, and women's ordination. Questions such as what type of music is allowed in church, how do tradition versus new culture play into the purpose of church, and what roles do teenagers play in organized religion played a large part in the conversation. This was the moment that the church gave my generation a platform to stand up and a place where we could be molded into something new. Thankfully, with the help of an outstanding youth pastor, I believe that La Sierra and its young voices decided to speak up. I primarily saw this in the act of deciding to conquer the front pew, the so-called youth pews. It all started one Sabbath during a youth praise team or baptism. Instead of sitting where we normally sat, in the darkness of the upstairs right wing, Pastor Austin had the bright idea of encouraging the youth to sit in the front pews to show our support for our friends. I remember feeling very exposed and almost kind of watched. I actually had to put my phone down, pay attention, and engage now. After setting aside the distractions, I was able to listen, to actually listen to what was going on and to be a part of the conversation. Before I started sitting in the front, my parents would ask me, what do you think about what the pastor was saying today? In all honesty, I didn't always remember the sermon. Once we began to sit in the front pews, I couldn't help but pay attention. I was able to have conversations with my family and actually have an answer to their questions. This was not only a sort of rite of passage for us, it was our new tradition. It was our contribution to the elders and our special way of showing respect through participation. We wanted this act to inspire our church and to unite it towards a community-centred future. At first, hearing Pastor Chris give us a little shout-out for being right up in the front made me slightly self-conscious, because I didn't quite know how to fit the role of an active participant. After gaining some age and some confidence, I became very proud of our newfound tradition. My friends and I proudly owned those front pews for about four years and very authoritatively banned the younger kids from joining us. My younger brother Sebastian was obviously not allowed. Now that we have all headed off to college, it seems as though the younger, formerly banned crew have taken over. It's nice to see that they didn't listen to us and instead decided to follow in our footsteps. For me, last year is a lifestyle that has shaped me tremendously. It is a set of values and thirst for discovery that I took with me on my year abroad to Italy this past year. I had been planning this adventure since sophomore year at the Academy and was privileged to have the opportunity to do so through the Adventist colleges abroad at La Sierra University. I had finally powered through a year as a freshman and as a reward, granted myself the courage to spend a year away from mom, away from school, and away from La Sierra. I've always been the type of person who didn't necessarily need the standard church service to worship, but the community I was leaving behind was something that I hadn't realized I would miss tremendously. Small things such as cafe in the morning, the silence between early morning service and church at noon, and the raising of hands glorifying God through music were all things I could count on during a typical Sabbath. I began to realize how much I missed being a part of praise team and being in fellowship with friends after church the safe environment La Sierra had always provided for me was something I never thought I'd have to live without. In the midst of 20-plus flights, jumping from hostel to hostel, and being wrapped in a world of new experiences, a conversation was sparked one night with Federico Gianuzzi, my boyfriend, who happens to be watching right now. I had spent so long talking about how much I love my church, and he finally just said, show me. Very early on in our relationship, Topics such as race, how to be politically correct, politics, and how to treat others with different opinions and values as ours were a large, very prominent aspect within our conversations. I specifically remember sitting down on a rock wall overlooking the beautiful city of Florence, in the rain, talking about the differences of our upbringing. Where my faith experience was more faith and relationship-based, his was more doctrinal and studied. Even though we came from such opposite upbringings, we clearly saw that our values coincided and could be built on moving forward. To give him more of an explanation about why I was the way that I am, I knew that I had to show him rather than tell him. I excitedly opened up last year's webpage and set up live streams of the sermon series, The Skin We're In, which is not very easy to do with really, really bad Wi-Fi. (laughs) We watched the pastoral team discuss huge topics that normally are uncomfortable and unheard of within a church setting, specifically topics such as homosexuality. Race, gender, religion, politics, and sexuality are all topics that seem to be too much of a taboo within our Christian society and don't seem to be off limits at La Sierra. I mean, how awesome is it that I can say that I received my sexual education from church? Federico, who comes from a Catholic background and a more conservative Adventist experience, was shocked to hear that such things could be mentioned in church. This is one of the things I was very proud to show off. I hadn't realized how fortunate I was to receive an education within church, an education most people are forced to find elsewhere, or not at all. After a few videos and a long night of conversing about values, family, and community, I opened up my phone. With tears in my eyes and an extreme amount of homesickness, I decided to message Pastor Chris. I said, greetings from Italy, Pastor. I just wanted to let you know that I just finished watching the live stream for today as well as some past videos from the Skinware and Sermon series with my boyfriend here at the ACA campus in Italy. I want to thank you because Laceo University has been a huge passion of mine and is a topic of conversation within our relationship. He is a theology student who has struggled with the not-so-grace-oriented image of Seventh-day Adventism displayed within the culture in this country and in this denomination he knows as home. He has heard me speak so passionately about our church and how hugely it has impacted my life, and this evening, I finally had the chance to introduce him to the wonderful reality that is our faith community. I thank you and the church, not only for reaffirming my faith, but his as well. He sends his thanks. He will be visiting California and Lossier University Church within the year and will have the opportunity to experience the uplifting family that is our sanctuary. I cannot wait to come home to the safe space Lossier University Church has always provided for me. While traveling through seven different countries, meeting large amounts of people, cultures, and religions, something about my faith stood out. I greatly attribute that to this faith community. La Sierra is something unique and something I've very much taken for granted. I was so completely unaware that Adventism was different outside of what my normal was and is. One of the ways in which I have seen La Sierra flow through me most is in forming relationships. When you ooze an accepting, loving attitude, it's noticed. La Sierra is not just a church for me. It's not just a few walls and some pews. La Sierra University Church is a lifestyle. It is a love and thirst for learning that I took with me around the world, and it's something that influences those around me as well. More than a story about my life, I hope that my words prove to be an enormous thank you. A hats off to this community for raising me, for molding me into the person I am now, and for continuing to flow through me as I go on to form relationships, build a future, and hopefully bring last year to others. So thank you.
0: I spent the last few weeks just at the feet of Vanessa, listening to all of her stories and all of her experiences with this community and away from this community, and I finally had to ask her, has there ever been a moment that La Sierra has disappointed you or let you down? To my surprise, she said, no. I want to recognize, though, that that's not always the experience. There are people we've disappointed, there are people who have experienced hard times here. But we've learned from Romans, we've learned from Paul in his letter to Rome, that community is messy, it is complicated, it is confusing. But just by the very act of being together, we are participating in something holy. And so I wanna echo what Vanessa says. I wanna say thank you, La Thank you so much for being attuned to the way the Spirit moves in this space. Thank you for celebrating when our youth conquer a pew. Thank you for making sure that no topic is off-limits here. Thank you for struggling, for engaging, for challenging and growing together. You truly are a living, breathing example of a holy community. And so may we always strive to be this for each other, not only here, but beyond these walls. Thank you.